Beyond Belief Sobriety is a podcast that explores topics of interest to people who are seeking or who have found a secular path to recovery from addictions of all kinds. Hello, and thank you for spending some time today to listen to our podcast. I'm glad you're here, and I hope this adds a little extra to your store of recovery capital. Our guest for this episode is John Huey. He's been here several times before, and he's here to talk about the second of his five-part series on atheism and sobriety. In this conversation, John talks about personal responsibility as it pertains to recovery. But before we get started, let's hear from our sponsor, Soberlink. If you're seeking a tangible way to maintain accountability and prove sobriety to loved ones, you have to try Soberlink. If you haven't heard of Soberlink, they have created a remote alcohol monitoring system that revolutionizes the way people document sobriety. The system includes a breathalyzer and uses artificial intelligence to display your test results in a calendar format, helping you analyze your habits and prove to yourself and others that you are, in fact, not drinking. It even has real-time results, facial recognition, and tamper detection so no one will question the validity of your results. Soberlink and I have created a guide called Five Tools and Strategies for Those on a Secular Path to Recovery that you can find at Soberlink.com slash BBS. If you're ready to take the next step in your recovery journey, mention the Beyond Belief Sobriety podcast when ordering Soberlink, and you'll get $50 off their device. And now, episode 256, Atheism and Sobriety, Personal Responsibility. You know, we are in a little bit of deep water here because uh, uh, it's almost as if we're we're sort of pioneering the field of atheist affirmation as it relates to recovery. I use the word affirmation ironically, of course, because it's often used in the in a, a totally opposite context. Uh, you know, that's basically, in some ways, that's what we're doing. We're trying to, uh, and I'm trying to affirm the positive value of my lifelong atheism as one of the primary agents that's driven me forward through a long-term recovery. The more I think about it, the more obvious it becomes to me. I don't think it was obvious to me for many, many years going along through this thing. But as I've gotten older and as I've started to think more and more about how I got from there to here, this sort of thing popped up. And that's where this series, uh, the genesis of the idea of the series came from. If we're, if we're talking about self-reliance and we're talking about the absolute positive value of personal responsibility, we're in a long tradition of thought, particularly thought in the United States. You know, the population of the United States for better or worse, it hasn't always been for better, it's sometimes been for worse in terms of the politics of it, have always, uh, or not always, but mostly been a bunch of very self-reliant, self-actualizing people, at least on some level. 
I mean, we go back to, you know, the some of the earlier thought in the uh, American thought in the in the 19th century, and we come up with wealth, Ralph Waldo Emerson and his famous work, Self-Reliance. And I, I started out this particular essay with a quote from Self-Reliance, and it, it goes like this. To be yourself in a world that is constantly trying to make you someone else is the greatest accomplishment. The underlying principle of some of this business of being self-reliant is being a self-actualizing individual, not following anyone's lights in terms of your essence, except your own lights that you've developed yourself. Now, what does this mean when we're talking about the context context that we're in here? Atheists don't live in alternate reality. Many alcoholics in recovery do. And that's a strength. That's a strength for the atheist, because if you're not living in a concocted alternate reality, which in my opinion is what much of the most popular conventional program is for a lot of you are left in a situation where you have to rely on yourself for a lot of this. You have to understand that you're the one who's responsible for your sobriety first last and always. And stepping up to that is very difficult because, you know, obviously, you know, for someone like myself that drank between age 15 and age 38, by my count, that's 23 years of, you know, reinforcing behavior that totally, you know, totally, you know, undermined my own sense of personal self-worth, personal responsibility, and self-actualization. I did that, even though I was a committed atheist the entire time, as we've talked about numerous times before. I've been a very committed atheist since I was 12 years old. And, you know, that hasn't changed. You know, I'm 73 now. It's, you know, it's over 60, 60 years of doing this, right? Having this mindset this particular way. And, you know, when I look back on my drinking years and my active alcoholism, I was just doing, in, in many ways, I was doing totally the opposite because in some respects, and, and I think many alcoholics give up their sense of personal responsibility to a substance. They let the substance guide them, not their own character or their own inner self or their own real abilities. That happens to, but but that happens to everybody, right? That not, happens to everybody. Right. Okay? That gets become addicted. Uh, but if you are really an atheist, okay, unlike the alcoholic who is converted. And as we all know, in the early parts of that program, particularly in the early years of that program, you had to undergo some sort of conversion experience 
to even be a member, right? So for for the atheist, obviously there there is going to be no conversion experience, no bright white light, none of that stuff. What you're going to have to do, and what you do do, at least what I did, was look around and take stock and take a personal leap of an affirmation of my own personal responsibility, which was in my case, which was to get up off my dead ass every day at noon during that first year I was sober. And whenever I wasn't traveling to get my ass ass out on M Street Northwest and walk over to a meeting at, you know, uh, Connecticut and Rhode Island Avenue, which is where I went that first year. And I did that because I knew that I had to step up and be personally responsible for that commitment, which is something that was antithetical to what I, what I had been doing all those years before. If someone had told me I was going to be doing that in my drinking years, I would have told them they were absolutely crazy. Right. And I would never do that. So that, so that would be a strength for, okay. So if you're, um, you're an atheist, so you, you, you're, there's not going to be any external force that's going to um, help you out. So you're going to take some personal responsibility and you're going to make a commitment to, to um, um, sobriety. To whatever discipline works for you. Right. Whatever, whatever that's that could why, be. That's why I'm not, we're not focusing on any particular recovery modality or program or anything like that. But we are sort of postulating for the sake of this discussion that we're talking about people who are atheists, who do not have any uh, sort of uh, supernatural uh, entity uh, that will in any way intervene or uh, uh, watch over the process that right. they're undergoing. So can I ask you, is the, is the, because so when I first read your essay, I, I was, I was, you know, and you, you caught on to this. I said, why, why does this matter? It only matters if you're, if you're, if you're going to be around a bunch of people that are, that are trying to convert you. But, but what you're, but I think what am I, I just want to make sure I understand. So the whole point here is that you're trying, if someone's an atheist, you're, you want to put across to them that you've got some internal strengths you don't have to listen to the to what people are telling you about needing to be a converted or anything like that. You've got you've got it within you to make the the change necessary to get sober. Right. Well, and that's a strength that you have as an atheist. We're conditioned to think of atheism as being a negative. That's the conditioning even for atheists. See, I think of it as just nothing but a lack of a belief in a God, a lack of theistic beliefs. I don't really think of it in terms as an underlying philosophy. But, I'm, not, I'm not talking about philosophy. I'm talking about operating principles. I'm talking about our own form of secular transcendence, as it were, that allows us to elevate ourselves above the position that we found ourselves in at the end of our drinking. The fact of dealing with the, with the real world 
can be transcendent. You think of the artists who are atheists or profound atheists who have constructed, well, for want of a better term, an alternate reality of a novel, the alternate reality of a painting, the alternate reality of a great popular or artistic song, the alternate reality that allows them to elevate themselves above the mundane and go to a different place emotionally without relying on a fantasy world to motivate them to do so. That's a sense of transcendence that you can get or have as an artist who's also a non-believer. Now, conversely, if you're a believer, the same thing can happen, but for different reasons. You know, Gerard Manley Hopkins was a Jesuit priest and wrote some of my favorite poems. You know, William Blake thought there was little angels dancing around Lambeth as he was walking through London to do his incredible art and, and, and write his unbelievably beautiful poems. That's fine with me. But, you know, Lou Reed wrote a hell of a lot of great songs, not believing anything. Okay, that was another cat who had a lot of influence over me when I was young, who did wonderful and amazing things without going anywhere near any of that stuff. So, you know, what, what I'm saying is you can, you can have a motive force within you that is elevating you above the mundane and getting you to a place where you would do uncharacteristic things like get your lazy ass out on the street and go to a meeting every day. And your atheism can be a positive force that is moving and motivating you forward to do so. And I, I have not in the past heard it articulated that way. I have not either. Uh, as you said, I, I, uh, atheism is usually a negative <laughs> thought of that way or, or, just, or just immaterial to recovery. Yeah, I mean, it's like when we started our meeting here in 1988, it was started by two diehard, old-style American atheists. They were even, you know, more, you know, they were even heavier into it than I am, right, those two. And when we were talking about naming the group, somebody brought up the idea of putting the word atheist in the group name. And remember, this is September 1988. And those two said, oh, no, 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 we can't possibly do that. People will go crazy if they see the word atheism. And these two were lifelong, diehard, old, militant, leftist atheists. I mean, it, it, we had a, we had, you know, that, that world is gone. It's time for us to get out and about and affirm who and what we are in a positive way. Now, I'm not talking about a great liberation movement where we're going to go chain ourselves to the White House fence, right? Or any shit like that. It's not political. Uh, it's internal. It's individual. And what I'm trying to do here with this particular piece in this particular part of the series 
is get to a point where I can talk to individuals about that without any apologies. We are, we are a group of self-affirming people who can take responsibility for ourselves and move forward. Now, here we are in the modern world where people are talking to us about brain chemistry. And, you know, since the very beginning, people have been talking about the heritability of alcoholism and addiction and the neuroscience of alcoholism and addiction. And I'm not a scientist. I'm not going to debate any neuroscientists. I'm not going to debate any uh, medical doctors who are studying the, uh, the chemistry of this. Uh, but I am going to say that nobody has shown me anything so far that will, even though I have a strong belief in science, will show me that there is science that is going to obviate or change the fact that alcoholism and addiction are things we do to ourselves. They are not things that come come from our like a, a cancer or you know or I, I have a, an autoimmune disease that I clearly inherited from my mom's side of the family. Uh, you know, it's not one of those, all right? No matter what the science ultimately shows about how our neural network works or whatever. I mean, so far, unlike with schizophrenia, where if you take an MRI of a schizophrenic's brain, you can see where the structural deficits are. The scientist or neurologist can show you a schizophrenic brain, and there is such a thing. And that's why it's so resistant to treatment. And the only thing that helps at all, and then not very well, are certain types of chemicals that you can put into that to try nothing like that for us. So being of a scientific mind, where does that lead me? It just leaves me with me, right? So I've got to assume and assert self-determination and personal responsibility, regardless of what my ancestors may have done, my mommy and daddy may have done, or what my brain chemistry might be. There's nothing out there that's really going to take care of this, except what I choose to do. And that is, that's where the clarity around personal responsibility comes in. Now, if you're in a conventional program, you can say, well, I'm going to turn this, this condition over to something else. And where does that leave you? That leaves you dependent on something outside of yourself that to us clearly does not exist. I can't, I mean, these people are rendering themselves dependent on something that isn't real, it, you know, that has no reality to it whatsoever. So we're, we atheists, we had, 
we had better affirm some positive truth within ourselves or we're probably going to get ourselves in trouble right so where i where i see how this okay i'm still where i see i see where this could help someone in this respect you're an atheist you know you're an atheist you've been an atheist your entire life and you're comfortable with that worldview you get into recovery circles where people are pushing this idea that you need to rely on something outside of yourself. However, the message that this atheist should receive is that no, that might be fine for them, but you can take personal responsibility because we as an atheist have to live in the real world. There is no external force that's going to help us. So leave that to them, but don't you be swayed by, don't you be deterred. This is possible for you to recover based on your own worldview as an atheist. Cognition is not mystical. Cognition, what you see, what you know of the real world, has nothing to do with mysticism whatsoever. It is what you see. So is this the is this who you're trying to reach? The atheist who is finding themselves in a situation where they're surrounded by people telling them there's an external force that you need to find? I'm trying to reach anybody who might benefit from having a more positive, affirmative idea about what it is we actually do. And whether that helps people that are trapped in that ridiculous retrograde program or it just merely assists somebody in terms of understanding the process that they're going through themselves, it gives some sort of handle. That's what this, this whole series may be about, giving myself. I'm learning that as I go along doing this this time, I'm in my old age, I'm learning something. I'm learning about this stuff. And that we're, we're going to go through a lifelong process of learning about ourselves and how that self interacts with the world. Both the current sober self and the former, you know, alcoholic, active alcoholic or, or addict self will learn a lot about that if we stick to the facts. And I've done a lot of observation over the years of how people do things. I've been, as you know, like you, I've been around a long, long time, gone to lots and lots of meetings, seen all kinds of stories. And again, like the last time, I'm not going to be reading from this essay too much, but there's a paragraph in here. I think it, at this point, it, it might be a good idea to just read this paragraph about a couple things that I've observed going down the road along the way. And in here I say, anecdotally, after many years of observing other addicts and alcoholics in recovery from all societal, educational, and socioeconomic levels, it became obvious to me that many of those who share our condition, particularly those who face continual and chronic relapse, suffer from a critical deficit of the imagination. 
mostly they failed to step up to the proposition that making a commitment to rectify their circumstances requires taking their fate into their own hands via a declaration of personal responsibility that manifests in a clear moment of decision about their drinking and drug use and or drug use. And then I refer people within the body of the article to my old piece about making a decision, which is now archived on the on the uh, on the secular AA site. I go into that at great detail about my own process of making a decision. So you know, those are also on your own website too, right? John Hyphen Huey. Yeah, 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 yeah. The links are on there as well, and um, I, I've, I've got there's some other things I've got to do with that website soon, but it's pretty much up to date. I think it's a pretty good resource for people with, if they want to hear more of my stuff. Uh, some may <laughs> some may, some may want to avoid it like the plague. Others may find it useful, but. You know, as we're going along here, I thought it was important to, you know, mention and talk about the people that we leave behind and why not we don't leave them behind consciously. We leave them behind when they do get left behind. We leave them behind with a sense of great sadness and sometimes with a sense of personal regret that we weren't able to do more to be uh, an affirmative source of help as they were going down the tubes. But tough as it may be to say, when I analyze the stories of the people that I know that have either gone out to die or gone out to slowly uh, continue to destroy themselves and they still the bodies may be here, but the rest of them is someplace else. Uh, it, it comes down to this sort of thing, you know. Uh, it, the, the people that personally make a commitment to rectify their circumstances and get to that moment where they absolutely must and do decide are the ones that I have known and see survive. Now, again, that is universally so, no matter what you believe. But for us as atheists, the idea of personal responsibility is absolutely essential. Because as atheists, we don't have this other venue this other place to go, right? That takes us to another world where some otherworldly force becomes the active, motivating, daily, hourly for them, some of them, factor in guiding them through to the next moment of their sober life. We, we don't have that. I mean... We're guiding ourselves through our sober lives, sisters and brothers. Well, you know, we're not left with a book or a guru or a sponsor or a other person 
in the end, we're left with us. So we better step up and understand the part that we play in this. And that's not easy. I'm not, I'm not trying to minimize the struggles that people go through. And of course, I'm in no way, uh, we've done a, a, a piece on relapse. And as you know, I, I, I absolutely in no way have any pejorative feelings for people who are going through bad relapses. But I will be absolutely blunt with you in talking about the people I know who died and why it seems they left us prematurely. It's serious business, all right? I mean, we're, you know, it's, uh, it's no fun sometimes. And sometimes, you know, it, it, there's a great deal of satisfaction in being an atheist but sometimes it's tough. It's not an easy road. Uh, and, you know, it's, it is, in fact, a long and winding road to find a personal path that works for you. I'll have some of the holy rollers saying, oh, what a grim MF that Huey is, you know, talking about, you know, trudging the road on his own and all of this kind of stuff. No, once we found a path that works for us in terms of sobriety, then all kinds of wonderful things can open up in our lives that wouldn't have opened up otherwise. Were it not for my sobriety, I wouldn't have my two wonderful daughters. There's no way I would have had those children, right? Uh, even though I was a less than perfect parent, uh, I have a, you know, just an incredible life uh, reflected in their eyes today because of our, our, our relationship. I never would have finally gotten married to someone, well, who you well know that I'm very lucky to be married to, that, you know, that I finally found a way to be a true partner with someone else. I never would have gotten back after all those years of running around the world chasing bucks, uh, you know, in the business world to, you know, having a rekindled, you know, uh, professional life as a writer where I can, you know, go back to things that I thought I was going to do early in life, that got buried in the wreckage in the midst of my alcoholism. I've had a lot of wonderful things happen as a result of trudging this tough atheist path. Uh, and I don't want to in any way say that it's, it's, a, it's a grim business. No, it's a business that opens your life. But you've got to do the business. Don't do the business. It's going to be very, very hard indeed. What does having a thorough grounding in the real world really mean? When we deal with the real world as it is, and as an atheist, when I talk about the real world, I talk about what I can perceive 
with my senses, not what I wish might be, but what is, what I know. Where does that leave us? Where does that leave us? Well, it can lift you up or it can hammer you down. Some of the things you see in this world, if you're looking at things realistically, could be a cause for despair. On the other side, though, if you know that not only have you taken personal responsibility for something as important as your sobriety, but you've taken a personal responsibility for your own cognition in terms of what you see and what you know to be true around you. Without this filter of fantasy and science fiction, religious philosophies can engender. Then you know that you can have the satisfaction of knowing that you're looking at what is true. And there's a great deal of satisfaction in that. We don't talk about politics here. But as we all know, we've been through some things in recent years that have been very hard to take. No, I tell you what, what you just said there is uh, very true. Uh, there's a, <laughs> to note, uh, to be able to understand and deal with the truth is liberating. It's, uh, that's, that's where I find my peace of mind is knowing what's the truth as I best I can. As a, abs, absolutely. You know, if you delude yourself, I, ca, I, call self, I call these kinds of delusions the great beast. Much of what we have in the world that is wrong, particularly these days, what is growing and, and what is going wrong is connected to this great beast, this bestial tendency to be self-deluded and not see what's true. I'll give you an example of, I'll, I'll give you an example of this, that in my opinion, uh, as an atheist, I know that this life is all I have. That's the truth. And that makes it more precious. That makes me want to get the most out of it. It makes me care. I feel like if I thought that, oh, I can, I die and someone forgives me and I live forever, it cheapens the experience. <laughs> so, and I'm not trying to, I guess that does kind of put that down, but I, I just guess that I'm saying is that if I, if I understand that truth about my life, that my time here is limited, I'm going to make the best out of it as I can. And I want to be sober during the rest of my time here and contribute something. Absolutely. Absolutely. Otherwise, you go down a rabbit hole and who knows what you'll do. I'll give you, I'll give you an anecdote. I've run across a lot of interesting people in my career and my life. And years ago, I was involved in a very difficult project overseas with a gentleman who, if you were to meet him uh, and actually doing work with him, you would think that he was, you know, sort of typical, Washington professional at a very high level. Uh, he was a PhD 
an engineer, very astute individual when it came to technology and things like that. But since we were traveling around a lot and we were in strange places like Ecuador and Jamaica, and well, we saw all kinds of strange stuff out there around the world while we were going around. And I was in Indonesia, some of these other places. But we were we, we would kick back at the end of the day and I would drink my Diet Coke and he would get himself a nice tall bourbon. He was an evangelical Protestant who drank bourbon. I found that very interesting. But uh, we were having a philosophical a discussion one day about family and uh, about things that were very important to us personally. I don't know where it came from, but we were starting to have that discussion. And he looked at me and he said, none of that matters. I said, what do you mean none of that matters? And he says, well, Jesus is taking me to heaven and the rapture is coming anyway. So, and he, oh, he was lighting a cigarette. I think I asked him, why are you lighting up that cigarette? He said, oh, that doesn't matter because Jesus is coming and the rapture is coming and all of this will be irrelevant in the end. I was just dumbstruck. It was like, a, you know, I had a long conversation one night with a Palestinian in Cairo. I won't tell you what, but he was saying the most outrageous stuff. I, I literally, I had to get up and leave where I was that night because I couldn't stand being in the same room with a guy once I heard what he was saying. It was almost that bad with this guy. I, had, I heard some strange stuff when I was running around the world, but that was one of the toppers because it was coming from someone who was better educated than I was on paper. And that just blew my mind. That shows you where people can go when they go there. And we don't go there. Atheists don't go there. We don't do that. You know, as my one of my kids used to say, there was some characters. He said, homie, don't do that. Well, homie, don't do that. And we do something else. We find ourselves struggling against the great beast of self-delusion, which brings us back to the sobriety thing. What is a bigger self-delusion than deluding yourself into thinking that you can drink safely if you're an alcoholic? Is there a bigger delusion? Very few uh, delusions that are the top that one. Yeah, and a lot quicker than you know, probably smoking an extra lucky strike. You can, you know, you can end up with a, uh, with a, with a, you know, fatal condition. But if we are self-actualizing, if we are taking personal responsibility for ourselves, we are not doing that. We know that we're on our own, but we're on our own on solid ground. If you are trusting your sobriety and your life to something in the case of an atheist we know to be untrue, or if you're trusting your sobriety and your life to that thing on the wall, those 12 steps or whatever they call them up on the wall, and you're not trusting the deepest resources of yourself, in my opinion, you are on shaky ground. Because once one of those things start to tremble, 
you could find yourself in some pretty deep, deep trouble, couldn't you? But if you have a firm bedrock conviction that what you have done in terms of taking personal responsibility for yourself and making a decision about your drinking and or drug use, then you're on, I think we're on pretty solid ground. And that's something that's affirmative. And that's something that we can affirm about ourselves, with ourselves, and for ourselves. Now, there's this other part of this thing. Do other people get you sober? Does the motivation to improve someone else's life get you sober? Are you going to deny yourself that next drink? purely based on the fact that someone else might be getting harmed, maybe for a time, but long run, even that motivation might prove to be problematic. But if you've internalized this conviction, this idea that personal responsibility is basically what it's about, is the way to go for you. And that's something you can carry with you anywhere. I love my conventional, not my convention, I love my regular secular meeting that I go to every Sunday. But there have been a number of times, many times in the past, where I've been out of the country or unable to attend there or attend anywhere, particularly in the pre-Zoom days. You didn't go to a brick and mortar meeting, there wasn't any place to go. And I was in a lot of those situations. And if I hadn't have had that bedrock personal conviction, as well as the wisdom gleaned from having gone to all those meetings and been associated with a lot of fine, sober people, I never would have made it. I wouldn't have made it something would have happened along the way. And the fact that it didn't is not a miracle. It's the fact that I was able to carry this particular set. I hate to use that phrase. I'm going to use that phrase, set of tools. I wish somebody would come in here and slap me for using that set of tools. I took that particular set of principles along with me. And it, 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 it worked like a charm. Our human rights, when we look at that part of it, and I don't know how this popped up. I'm thinking a lot these days about human rights because I see them violated on all sides of me. And it's, of course, extremely upsetting when we see human rights being violated. But human rights are not conferred upon you by God. Human rights are conferred upon you by your fellow human. And that's who you have to deal with when you are affirming and standing up for your human rights. A la Bob Marley. Get up, stand up. Even though he was always thinking about Jah and God and this and that, I love Bob. Bob was, uh, I'm sure, uh, jump all over me because he was Rastafarian and uh, uh, spiritual in a very kind of unusual way. But in the end, 
when you scratched old Bob, he said, get up, stand up, stand up for your rights. And that God wasn't standing up. You were the one standing up. And if we look at our sobriety as a basic human right, everyone, every human being has a basic human right to be sober. That's what they choose to be. So I find this kind of interesting and enlightening for me because I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about, so hear me out, natural rights, not being God-given, but natural rights that human beings born in their natural state have a right to life, liberty, whatever, right? And that's just a natural human right. But I to think it even further, though, as, as you just said, that it's the other human beings that are going to determine whether or not you're you are able to actually actualize those rights, right? In the in the public or the political sphere, yeah, other human beings will build obstacles around to to keep well, you from absolutely, absolutely. You you work in a giant corporation, which I did when I allowed other people to set my agenda on a day-to-day basis. It finally got to the point where I had to get up, stand up, and assert my own rights and start my own business. It was the best, you know, probably the worst thing financially in some ways because I, I was doing extraordinarily well financially, but I wasn't doing well as a person. So when you're able to get up and do that in that context or a political context, or even sadly in the context of a marriage. So in the so tying this into sobriety and recovery, you have you're born with this right to live and be sober, but you have to deal with other human beings to achieve that. Is that what you're trying to say? That you have to you have to be you can't let other human beings interfere. Got with you. you. There you go. That's that's exactly what you can't that's, let okay. circumstances interfere with that. You have an inherent right to be sober, no matter what the external circumstance imposed by others. That's why they in the United States they say we we, we have life liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I have the right to pursue happiness. I don't have a guarantee that I'm going to be happy, but I have the right to pursue that. And something, anything that stands in the way of that needs to be rectified. Yep. And think think about that in terms of sobriety. Think about that in terms of sobriety. You have an inherent right to be sober, but you have to choose to assert those rights. That's personal responsibility. That makes sense to me. That makes sense to me. Asserting your rights as a self-actualizing person without this excess baggage from the outside, which is where I totally part ways with these program people. I just, I don't buy it at all. I never did. And, you know, the the sooner we as atheists 
assert ourselves as a positive force in the world, the better off we will be. We're not only a positive force for ourselves. I believe that people that look at things realistically are a positive force in the world. And we're certainly a positive force in any recovery community because we're standing up and saying that we are going to take a active role in affirming our right to be sober. And we're not giving it to you or anyone else. We're assuming that right for ourselves. Now, likewise, here's another sort of golden lining to this whole thing of taking personal responsibility. At depth, once you understand something about personal responsibility, you know in your bones that you cannot take personal responsibility away from anyone else. If you are truly being responsible for yourself, it is almost impossible to convince yourself that you are you can take those rights away from anyone else and either either overtly or inadvertently take them away that's what many of these people in these recovery places do they take people's personal rights and responsibilities away from them and atheists don't play that and some of us don't play that rather loudly. And even people in the secular recovery community get a little upset when you say things about that sometimes. Or you see things in people who are propounding that and you react to that. I think that part of our affirmative response in recovery as atheists is to be responsible to the extent when we see abuses of personal rights within the recovery context going on, we need to get up and say so. We need to, but at the same time, we're not in the business of imposing our ideas or our structure on anyone else. I talk about what happened to me. I'm not talking about what must happen to you. I'm merely affirming some things that made sense to me in this particular journey, a little over, over 35 years in now, in this particular journey. I'm talking about stuff that made sense to me. And that's maybe the, the most profound sense of personal responsibility of all, is not getting in other people's business, not getting in other people's lives, not trying to control other people's narratives to their lives. These people in these recovery places will try to control the narrative of your life, the form in which of which your life can take. The only thing I'm worried about in terms of your life is are you loaded or not loaded? That's the only thing that concerns me. I, I keep saying it over and over like a fucking broken record. Oh, I said 
That's okay. So did we did we cover the what you were wanting to say about this personal responsibility? Or is there something else that's important well, that we left out? Know, I, I think we got it might have gotten a little tangential at some points, but I think I went over the primary points. What do you okay. think? I th- I think so. I mean, it, it's very interesting, and and as, as I listen to this again, it'll it'll be it'll be it'll solidify in my brain because like like you said, this is kind of new, um, hasn't really been done before, as far as I know, and it is very interesting. It's interesting to a lot of people. I'm wondering where is your next? Where are you going to go with this on the next? essay that you're going to write where you think well, about going you know what I'm, I'm going to talk about abstinence itself and how my atheism reinforced that idea of abstinence. that'll be interesting that'll be interesting see i i, I can see how these these are building on well they're they're sort of you know we have finite limitations we are limited in our knowledge of any of this. We've had to sort of feel our way if we're if we're truly thinking for ourselves, which is what the atheist does. We've had to feel our way through this, a lot of this on our own. And I know that people are looking for a book or a manual or some kind of ready guide or something like that. To me, it's a lifelong process. It's a searching. And what I'm trying to do in these particular essays is to talk about, in some ways I'm talking about process as much as I am about essence, right? What is the mindset? I'm not writing a philosophy book. What I'm trying to do is to understand more about how I got here from there and what those insights are and were about how and why that occurred. And if that has resonance for other people, that's wonderful. And it does. And it does. Uh, And I, it does. Uh, I mean, a lot of people, I get a lot of comments on these um, discussions that you and I have, and they get a lot of views. And I, I, so I think it's important and I find it very interesting and I, and I, and I appreciate and enjoy these conversations a great deal. So um, thank you very much for taking the time to yeah, do this well, and to, to write this. Right. Well, we're fallible human beings trying to work our way through a set of ideas around a condition that is not, it's very widely discussed, but is not, properly contextualized and articulated for the atheist. Very well documented for the believer. But for us, in this context, the literature and the investigation is very thin. And, you know, I'm hoping that somebody younger and smarter than I am will pick up on some of this after I've departed, you know, take it to the next level. That's the all we can do. We're trying in little increments, trying to build one little block on top of another. And, you know, this whole thing on personal personal responsibility was part of that. And the next episode about abstinence in and of itself will also. But I, I, I've got to sit down and think about that. I've got an international trip to take and some other 
things to do between now and then. But uh, maybe while I'm walking around a strange place in a strange street in a strange city, something will come to me because I, I still go around the world and ply my trade at my advanced state of this decomposition. Somehow I'm able to do that. So uh, I think we basically did I think so. job. I think maybe we did. Let's see. Well, thank you. I just, I, I'm very uh, th- thankful uh, for you doing this. I mean, uh, it took a lot of work to write this and to think this out. And uh, it's helped me think think things through a little bit more clearly. And as I said, I'll probably understand what we've talked about better after I edit this and listen to it again. Well, no, it's <laughs> helping me. I'm sort of figuring it out as I go along. Yeah, right? it's great. So, there's it's great. no holy writ here. No, nah. there's certainly nothing miraculous going. No, nah. no, nah. <laughs> we're 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 just we're just plodding along as fallible humans, yeah. doing the best. Absolutely. Oh, we have come to the witching hour. We have. Well, thank you, John. I appreciate it. That's another episode of Beyond Belief Sobriety. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to support our podcast with recurring monthly contributions, head on over to patreon.com slash beyondbeliefsobriety or become a member of our YouTube channel. If you'd like to make a one-time contribution, then visit our website beyondbeliefsobriety.com and click on the donate button. I do appreciate your support. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back again real soon with another episode of Beyond Belief Sobriety.